All right, Justin, A through Z. F. Okay. I can make that work. So last week, I talked about a fail. Nailed it. (laughs) On behalf of of Drew Barrymore. When she was like, I'm going to restart my show in the middle of this strike and it'll be fine, even though every single person in SAG and WGA is telling me I'm going against the strike. I disagree. And I'm going to do my show anyway. And then she came and did an apology. She's like, I'm sorry. I really thought I was doing the right thing. Ultimately, it's my fault and I'm the one to take the blame and it's on me. But I'm still going to do my show anyway. And you're like, well, that was a bunch of bullshit. And then she announced she's going to wait till the end of the strike. Yeah. Which feels more like she realized that she was about to get canceled completely in Hollywood if she didn't do that. Essentially, I think her writers, like the Writers Guild went, your writers are not going to come back to your show if you do this. And no one from SAG is going to come on your show and then be in good standing with SAG ever again. You will be blacklisted and you will also probably be kicked out of SAG yourself. You know, all that shit. They probably were like, the fuck are you doing? Because she isn't like a full, like she is in SAG, you know. And they probably went to, they were like, look, if you do this, anybody that comes on your show is going to be blacklisted. You're going to be blacklisted. Your writers are never going to come back and no one from WGA is going to work with you ever again. And she's like, fine, I'll stop. You know, because she didn't have the audacity to do what Miss Kelly Clarkson was going to do and has been doing this whole time, which is fully just paying her crew. All the people that aren't in SAG and aren't in WGA that are more or less just not working because of the strike, but they're not technically a part of the strike. She's just paying them out of her own fucking money, like her own personal money. She's just paying them. Cause she's a legend. It makes sense. That's tight. Uh, I saw this thing on TikTok and it was partially in, in response to Drew Barrymore, but it was also in response to Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis where this guy's like, Hey, for all the celebrities that want to do an apology video, you can come record it at my house for a, you know, a small fee just cause you do it in a room where you essentially want to make yourself look poor and humble. That's a good point. I never thought about that. Cause like Drew Barrymore, she's just doing it in this one room and, and she's like, it's like no makeup. And it's like, look, I'm one of the people. And Ashton and Mila did the same thing in front of like a, the side of an old wooden barn or some shit. And it's just like, look, we're humble and we're poor too. Just to try to like, you know, get sympathy, get sympathy. for all mm-hmm. of what they do. This guy's like, hey, I'm actually poor. You can rent part of my house to record your apology video, for, you know. <laughs> I think yeah. that's a fantastic, you know, model with some of these things. Um, 
there's more celebrity news, but that actually ties into our topic today. So I'm going to actually hold on to it. I'm going to keep it safe in a little in a little secret compartment until I can drop it in the middle of the episode. So I'm going to hold on to that. Um, outside of that, oh yes, uh, more strike news though, on the other hand. Uh, as of the day of this recording today, um, WGA and SAG are supposedly meeting with the studios today, tonight. Okay. While we're recording, they're supposedly having meetings and talks. So maybe there might be good news that comes out of this for us to uh, report about next week. But that would be nice. The last thing was tonight. So. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Yeah. If they were able to come to an accord. Because, yeah, studios are really starting to feel it. You know, like Sony went out and announced all that, or not Sony, uh, WB Discovery went and announced all that shit like I talked about. And they're like, oh, we're going to lose almost half a billion dollars because of the strikes even though it would have only cost us $47 million. It's just one of those things. It's like, really? Do you really think that, like, you weren't going to get called out on your shitty, terrible math? Uh, but also, speaking of WB Discovery, I guess one other thing in news, um, on their streaming app, Max, they have announced they are going to add a sports tier to it. Um, which if you don't know, uh, WB Discovery owns TNT, TBS, all of those, that family of networks. So it's mainly basketball shit. Like basketball shit's going to be available. Basketball and I think some hockey is played on that stuff too. Uh, that will be available in the future to stream through the app for an additional $10 a month. There's also rumors that AEW or Max affiliate AEW might be joining that tier next year and increasing their pay-per-views to 12 a year and to have more something more akin to the uh, agreement that WWE has with Peacock. So... That's some news as far as some of that goes. Which is fine. I don't have a problem reporting on that part of it just for the sheer fact that uh, them adding sports doesn't really go against any of the stuff they're dealing with with strikes. So it's not scripted content. Yeah. Do you think that's why they did it? Or partially why they did it? Because... I think it's coming because it's just a more another way for them to make more money. Yeah. Especially okay. whenever... TNT essentially owns basketball, especially like playoff basketball, all this other stuff that shits on TNT. When you get to March madness, that shits on fucking TNT, true TV, TBS. That's all over all those fucking networks. They get to be like, Hey, yeah, you want to stream March madness? You mm-hmm. can just pay us directly. Right. You know, that's why they're doing all that is they just want to make all that free money. Or not free money, I guess. 
that extra money that right now, and it's because, you know, cable subscriptions are going down. And since all their channels are in the cable side of things and not in the network television side of things, they don't really have a good alternative. You know, you have to have a cable subscription or one of those live TV subscriptions, you know, through like YouTube or Sling or one of those, you know, to watch any of their stuff. And they only make a cut of that money. So it's this way. They're like, hey, you can get all the shit you want and you just pay us. That's why. So. But that's all I that's all the news I got right now. I do feel like I'm forgetting something. Because I always forget something going into this. So I don't know. We'll see if I remember it later. Maybe I can do it after, you know, the outro or something. But you guys ready to get into this spooky movie? Yes. Yeah. Somebody will listen to me. Nobody knows anything but you. Cinema Slayers. Hey, Cine fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. I'm Sterling, and as always, I'm joined by Heather and Justin. And tonight we're going to talk about what we liked, didn't like, and everything in between with the new movie, A Haunting in Venice. We will go spoiler-free recommendations and scores and then into a more spoiler-centric section with time codes in the description to allow you to jump around in both audio and video formats. And with all that, Justin, what are your spoiler free thoughts about a haunting in Venice? Cool. Um, overall, I thought that it was, I think it's good. Um, I mean, if I'm looking for something to kind of compare it to, it 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 definitely gave me like just kind of knives out vibes with the, just the whole mystery of it and the casting and stuff like that. It's not as good quality wise as that, I would say. Um, that one the, that's probably just better acted and tighter knit and things like that. But I did like this. I think overall, I did enjoy this movie. And it is, I think I can say it is a good film. Um, you know, as far as the, the history with this, uh, with the Hercule Perot character and stuff like that, I haven't seen a lot of the the other films. So, you know, I'm not somebody who, comes from the perspective of I've followed this character or know about the stories or know about the old shows or any of that stuff. So kind of was just coming into this blind, you know, I just had no um, sense of all of that stuff. So from someone speaking from that perspective, 
I thought this was good. I think that um, I liked the mix of the the murder mystery with the horror elements. I think that that was an interesting uh, juxtaposition. I think that that made for an interesting character journey where you sort of have somebody who is a non-believer, but going in trying to debunk something that's sort of supernatural and spiritual and kind of the, that, that chap. So the whole journey challenges this character who's very practical and he's a detective and, you know, he's a famous detective. And so this was kind of out of his element, but I think that that was good. I liked all, I liked how, this movie challenges a character like that. Um, and honestly, that probably is kind of one of the strengths and depending on how you look at it, maybe one of the weaknesses of the film also, because I do think that the character journey is probably maybe more interesting is not the right word, but I think the character journey is stronger than probably the murder mystery elements and the horror elements. I think the more, the most interesting thing is this character kind of put in something that is out of his element. I think that that is the, the, the most intriguing journey that the movie goes on. Um, The horror elements are fine, but and some and it does have some jump scares and stuff like that. But I think if you're like a diehard horror, like if you were looking for this to satisfy your horror itch and stuff like that, that's not really what this is. So even though it has some of that stuff and, and what it does, it does effectively for the film. But if you're looking for some a heavy dose of horror, that's not really what this is. Um, it does lean more into the murder mystery aspect of what it's trying to do. And you get, get, you know, gather, trying to gather clues through these interviews and the, all these people kind of in a clue sort of manner, they all see that you, all these people are suspects and you're trying to kind of figure it out as Hercules trying to figure it out. You know, all of that, uh, kind of comes through with the movie. So, I think it's more mystery than it was horror. But even when it got to the end and you kind of get to the resolution of this, it was fine. But I don't think that that's the strength of the movie. Like like Knives Out, when you get to the end of that, it's like, wow, man, and either Knives Out movie. And it's all about kind of, it all culminates to this, like, big resolution. And by the time you figure it out, you're putting all the clues together. You're like, Oh man, this was just a great whodunit. I didn't quite feel like that with this. I was fine with it. I was fine with where we wound up It all. It it makes enough sense to me. Um, But ultimately what winds up being more fascinating, I think is just this practical detective character having to deal with things that are happening and just the, the, un, the, the, un, the supernatural things that are happening that maybe can't be explained. 
And I just really like that aspect that, that it took the character on. Um, but, but the other elements, while I think are weaker, are fine. And ultimately, it makes for what I thought was a solid movie. And it has some good visual effects. And even though I don't think the ensemble cast is as good as the cast in Knives Out, there are some standout performances. Man, Michelle Yeoh was awesome in this. Like, I loved her as this seance woman. Like, like she was, I thought, great. She was like one of the people that I really, really loved. And there are just certain scenes where, I mean, she really does an incredible job. And Tina Fey was also a pleasant surprise in this because the Tina Fey I'm used to really leans into the satire and the more comedic performances. I don't think I've seen Tina Fey act like this. Like this was definitely more serious for her. Now the character, you know, there's, there's still some Tina in this character, but it's nothing like what I'm used to seeing Tina Fey do. And I think that that was a pleasant surprise and she was very good too. And, um, and Kenneth who plays uh, Hercule Poirot, he, he was good. You know, he's good. He drives the movie. His performance was, was very good too. So, um, and, and the rest of the cast does respectable also, but those are probably the, the the three standouts that I liked in this probably the most. So yeah, all in all, it's a solid film. It's a good film. Um, I think for the juxtaposition and what it was going for, it all mixes together nicely. And overall, it, I think it was a solid murder mystery um, that, that had some fun supernatural elements to it. Have you seen any of the... Kenneth Branagh Perot movies? No. Oh, okay, so you hadn't seen Murder on the Orient Express or any of those? Mm-mm. Not the old one or the... Because there, there was a newer one, right? Uh, one that came yeah, out during the pandemic, Death on the, Death on the Nile. Okay, that that's what I'm thinking of. No, I haven't seen any of those. Okay. Uh, Heather, what about you? Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the movie is, it's a pretty solid movie, I would say. Um, I wouldn't say it's great either, but I think it's good. It's solid. And I, I'm i kind of in in the camp of Jason in the sense of um, I, I didn't know anything about these stories beforehand, like any Agatha Christie stories of these. I have not read. I haven't, um, I, I didn't know what to really expect from these. Um, I have seen Murder on the Orient Express and Death on the Nile. And I, you know, both of them had things about them, especially the first one that I really enjoyed. And yeah, it, it kind of it, it kind of fits the bill of, I guess, what I expected as far as how the mystery unfolds. So um, and, and they did a good job with that still. I think I don't know. I feel like. I'm trying to to think if I like this one better than Murder on the Orient Express. It's hard to say. It's been a while since I've seen that one, but I feel like they're pretty neck and neck as far as how um, 
how good they are. You know, they're, they're pretty equal, I would say, in value in that way. But just a little bit different because this one has the more haunting, creepy type of atmosphere about it. And the other one is just, I mean, it has like a suspense thriller vibe, but it's not quite the same as this, but that's on purpose. So, yeah, I think it, uh, Kenneth Branagh is always really great as this character. I, I think he does, he nails it. I mean, I don't have anything to compare it to, <laughs> but I I just like his quirks and I like his uh, humor and his like just kind of the way that he approaches things and thinks about them and kind of he has like this it's it's an oddly like very practical logical thinking and way of doing things but you just get hints of him actually kind of empathizing with people which I think is kind of cool and in this movie I feel like it definitely dives more into him specifically and his character and things that he's struggling with or going through personally. And I do like that we get to see a little bit more of what kind of makes him tick as a person. Um, and they did, I think they did that piece. Well, I, I, I kind of see what you mean about that was a little bit more of the um, stronger storyline here, but um, I, I like that they mixed it in with this particular mystery murder mystery because it fit well and it kind of they kind of went hand in hand really well because of it talking about you know what do you believe in and what's real and things like that so it it just kind of played hand in hand together pretty well I think I will say probably for me the thing that is I would say maybe the biggest negative of the movie is it doesn't really have a um, I guess like a, it's not really a pacing problem, but it doesn't really have like a climax kind of feel to it. Even when it's at that point, I don't feel like, I feel like it's very kind of stagnant in the, um, the, how it tells the story all the way through. It's, it's not quite the same as just being, you know, bad pacing. It wasn't bad pacing. It was just sort of, it kind of stayed even, pretty much the whole way through, except for a couple of key moments when obviously you kind of get some things revealed to you. But aside from those moments, I feel like the movie was kind of very uh, one note, I guess is the best way to put it. Um, As far as the, you know, the ups and downs, if you will, of the film, which is interesting for something that's supposed to be spooky, you know, and um, it had the elements, it had the tone of the the spooky that they were going for. But yeah, it was a very kind of uh, one note type of energy about it throughout, if, if that makes sense. Uh, that's probably my biggest complaint about the movie. I mean, I agree the performances were really good. Uh, Michelle Yeoh is a national treasure. I mean, I don't really know that she can do any wrong at this point, but um there were definitely some moments there that I was like, man, like she, she just acts circles around most people these days. She's just so good. And, um, Tina Fey, I'm a big fan of Tina Fey. I've seen her do a couple of other serious things, but this character fit her well. I think, uh, she, she performed this role really well and she was a fun personality in the mix with everything. 
And another person I really thought did a great job was Jamie Dornan. Um, I thought he he did a great job as the doctor. Um, you know, I haven't really seen him in a whole lot of things, but um, I feel like he gets a bad rap because of the whole Fifty Shades thing. <laughs> and so, but I mean, I just, I have, I think I've seen him in maybe one or two other things aside from this movie. And he's not bad. Like, I've, I've, I think he's pretty good. You know, I just think that he gets the kind of the Robert Pattinson treatment sort of with the twilight stuff. So I don't know, but he, he did a good job. I liked him and I thought the, the little boy in the movie was really good too. So yeah, they did have some strong performances here. Um, and yeah, it was, you're, you're interested enough in the characters to be like, okay, what's their deal? What's going on here? How are they connected or not connected? Whatever it may be. Um, you're, you're interested enough in the characters and the, the story gets you interested enough to know, to want to know these characters more, which I think is good that they did that. Um, so yeah, I mean, you care about the story, you care about the mystery and the murder that's happening. You want to know what happened along with them. Uh, so yeah, I think it did that part really well, but yeah, I think really just if it had a little bit more of the ups and downs of suspense, that would be kind of my only note of, what I think might've made it a little bit better, but yeah, it's, it's a, it's a pretty solid film. I would say, uh, it's kind of on par with the first one. Like I said, I like this one and the first one way more than the second one, but yeah, it it does. It does a good job of telling a good murder mystery story with, I think because of, uh, Kenneth Branagh's character, uh, Perot, like I think, just how he approaches these things and just sort of him as a character and his personality mixed in with this is just really fun, you know, because he has moments of like vague humor and um, I don't know. He just, he's an interesting person. And so I think him solving these cases and figuring out what's going on uh, because it's him and how he approaches it you care a little bit more. So I think he definitely adds to it for sure. But yeah, I think it was a, it was a fun film. It was, it was a good entry of these films that I've seen. And um, yeah, I don't really have a whole lot of complaints about it. It was pretty solid. I guess my experience with Perot is a lot more than both of you. Uh, I had seen the the was it the nineteen seventies murder on the Orient Express before, um, and that was kind of my introduction to a lot of that stuff. That one had uh, what's his name, um, Albert? Is it Albert? Yes, Albert uh, Finney played Perot in that movie. Uh, the 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 dad in 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 the movie Big Fish, you know, uh, but I mean, listen to the cast of this movie though. Like it, it very much mirrors the Murder on the Orient Express we got with Kenneth Branagh, with it's just like a list stars like throughout the whole thing because it had Albert Finney, but also had Lauren Bacall, Ingrid Bergman, uh, Sean Connery, uh, Anthony Perkins, which if you don't know played uh, what's his name in Psycho. Uh, Norman in Psycho. It also had Vanessa Redgrave, which tie back to another episode. She's the one that played Max 
in the first Mission Impossible movie. Uh, it had Michael York, who played uh, Bosley, or is it Bosley or is it? Uh, oh, uh, Basil Exposition in the Austin Powers movies. The the British boss guy, you know. Um, so it just had like all these A list stars for that one. Uh, I'd watched a lot of the masterpiece uh, TV show. Uh, Perot's, you know, all that stuff. I believe, I believe their version was Masterpiece Mysteries, whatever. I, I had seen a lot of that. Uh, most people don't know this, but John Malkovich has also played Perot. I believe that one's on Amazon as the ABC Murders, which is also, I think, based on the book The Alphabet Murders. Uh, I've also seen the uh, made for TV movie of the murder in the Orient Express with Alfred Molina. It was made a while ago. Um, so I'm very much steeped in the whole pro stuff. Um, so, that, I mean, there was a lot of expectations going into this movie. I really, really, really enjoyed his murder on the Orient Express. Really, truly dig that movie. Um, not so much a fan of his death on the Nile though. And that kind of has less to do with him or his movie. Cause if you don't know, Kenneth Branagh also directed these movies also while starring in them. Um, but with this movie or with, with death on the Nile, I don't, the, the issue wasn't him, his directing, his acting with Perot or any of that. It was his list of co-stars in that movie that were incredibly, incredibly distracting to have on screen. Yep. Uh, First and foremost with Arnie Hammer, which if you don't know, you know, there's some sexual assault allegations. And also apparently the man's a cannibal. Just wants to bites off pieces of you and eat it. Um, This was also right in the middle of the Letitia Wright controversy with her anti-vax stuff that we talked about in the black Panther episode. And, you know, she had apologized for it and all this other stuff or, you know, backtrack that statement, but that was well after I had seen, or, you know, it was after this movie had come out. So, you know, there was that distraction. Uh, there was kind of the weird tension that Gal Gadot had garnered during the, the pandemic you know, early in the pandemic when she was like, oh, let's all sing a Beatles song together. And it was the most tone deaf bullshit that celebrities had ever done. And then you find out it's her fucking idea. And you're like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. You know, this was after her horrendous flop of a movie, Wonder Woman 84. Uh, I've really come to a realization. I don't think I like Gal Gadot as an actress at all. I don't think I do. It's not good. I I think she's a great Wonder Woman at times. But I don't know. After seeing her. Come on. She's nice. After seeing her do a JCPenney catalog at the end of Fast 10. Nah, that sealed the deal. (laughs) Can't do it. Oh, no. Justin just likes to look at her. I love that scene. (laughs) See, I was wondering if it has to do with attractive attractiveness or anything like that. They're like, maybe that's why I dug into her, like, liked her. No, I think 
I like her if she's got a good enough co-star that she has the chemistry with. Uh, in the earlier Fast and the Furious movies, her the flip the the other side of the coin with her was Han, you know, the man that is charismatic while eating potato chips. So I think that that kind of bleeds onto her. Uh, and then I'm thinking about Wonder Woman, and I'm like. Do I think she's hot or do I just want to fuck Chris Pine? And is that why, like, through osmosis, do I, do I like her in this movie? No, I like Chris Pine in that movie. I don't think I like her. You know, anytime you put her with someone else, it just doesn't work. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw it, but Red Notice. Oh, that is just god awful. She's like, it, I have you seen it, Justin? No. But Do you I'm care if I spoil anything pain. with Red Notice? No, I don't care. So there's a big twist, and all it turns out she's married to The Rock. I guess spoiler alert for all of fucking Red Notice. The movie's old. Get over it. But the big twist is she's not the bad guy, and Rock's not the good guy. They're actually secretly married or whatever. I have never seen two people with less sexual chemistry since we watched Striptease. It's fucking terrible they have nothing together just absolutely nothing so much so that they make ryan reynolds less charismatic and less fuckable in that movie too it's a fucking black hole of bullshit but anyway there's all that shit in 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 death in the nile and i'm so it's fortunate for kenneth brana that that movie came out then because if that movie came out anytime soon like say it was the reverse say like haunting in venice had come out before and this one was death on the nile he'd even have more fucking problems with it because also another star in that movie and this is why i said i was going to save it is russell brand and if you don't know there's a fresh crop of allegations against that man for multiple multiple things including sexual assault uh you emotional or uh, mental abuse, emotional abuse. Uh, I'm willing to say that some of the stuff he has done is borderline on actual, just physical assault outside of just sexual assault. And uh, yeah, all of that scummy bullshit. So, I, you know, even if I was like, you know what, let me watch death on the Nile again, just to see I've got even less of a reason to fucking watch that movie. Cause it's got all of that shit in it. The one controversial figure and Murder on the Orient Express was Johnny Depp because that was right around the time all the stuff started coming out about him and Amber Heard. And this is not a spoiler. It's going to sound like a spoiler. It's not a spoiler. I'm fine with it in that movie because Johnny Depp dies. And I'm completely fine saying that because that's the whole premise of everything. Someone dies. He's the person that gets murdered on the Orient Express. I'm not actually spoiling anything. It's in the title of the fucking movie. You know someone dies on the fucking train. I'm not ruining anything. The story wouldn't exist if someone didn't die. So I'm actually okay with that. Then we get into this movie. And I'm like, okay, you've got the least problematic cast you've probably had in any of your movies thus far. That's a plus. Um, but you kind of nailed the, uh, the, or hit the nail on the head, Justin. Pro movies aren't really as much about the mystery as they kind of make it seem like pro stories. It's, it's the journey of watching him solve it. Like that's, that's the point is like, 
how is he going to solve this one? You know, like that's it. That's the point, the journey of how he does it. Uh, and that's, what's the fun about it. Cause it's like, you know, he's going to solve it. And he's like Sherlock Holmes in that regard. Like, you know, he's going to solve it. Doesn't fucking matter, but how he does it, you know, one of the things they do in a lot of these stories is they have the sub mystery. Like there's the second mystery that he just solves that you didn't even realize was a mystery. And all of a sudden he's just like, Oh yeah, there's this mystery too. Just solved it real quick too. And then there's also the main mystery and all this other stuff. Like it, that's kind of the whole par for the course, you know, Perot's stories are very much episodes of murder. She wrote told over two hours instead of 45 minutes. It's, it's all of that shit, you know, and it's not that Perot stole that from her or from murder. She wrote, no, obviously murder. She wrote, stole that from Perot from Agatha Christie. All of those shows where those people are just solving mysteries and death follows them around and all that shit. They all stole all that shit essentially from Agatha Christie. And uh, what's his name that wrote Sherlock Holmes, uh, Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Like those two are the people that did it the, the best. And if it comes down to it and you ask me to choose between Sherlock and Perot, I'm going to choose Perot. I like the mad Belgian. I think he's fantastic. Uh, I love all the interpretations of his mustache. I think it's delightful. I love the Perot mustache, uh, which he's actually calmed down a little bit. His, his mustache in murder on the Orient express is damn near God level. It is a God tier mustache. I fucking love that mustache. This is, it's the same style. It's just a tamer version. Um, but overall, I said all of that shit just to say this. Moves okay. They're yeah, pretty good. I mean, it's not overly long. You know, it's like an hour, what, hour 47, something like that. Like, all right. I think that that's why I was slightly more okay with the pacing than you were, Heather, is just, it's a mystery movie. There's going to be those slower elements to it. There's going to be that, those, those, those elements in it as they're solving everything. I was fine with it. But in the end, it's just fine. Uh, and I think that that's the tragicness of telling these older mystery stories is a lot of these older mystery stories have been aped. They like, you know, people have come in and told that their versions of essentially the same story and all this shit throughout the fucking years. And you just don't know it. You know what I mean? You don't know that you've already heard this story or seen this story or all this other stuff. So that's where like knives out and Ryan Johnson kind of get that benefit of he's telling a newer story. He's telling a modern mystery. You know, he's telling the new versions of stuff where he's aping from other stories, but he's a, you know, he can take from like four or five different stories and put it in his. This one, you're just telling the one. Like I said, they might've done a weird episode of like, you know, I don't know, some fucking kid mystery show back in the nineties that you watched that, does an episode that's actually this story, but it's, you know, that it's not Perot. You know what I mean? Like you might've accidentally heard this story and not known it. So that's the downfall of telling these stories that are just 
like what a fucking century old. They're fucking old now. You know, they don't, it doesn't carry over as well, but I do like his style. Kenneth Branagh has style. I love the way these movies look. I love the way they feel with that. I love his interpretation of the character and his interpretations of the cities and the locations and the in general aesthetic that he brings from these time periods. I really dig the way he does that and the way he manifests it into a movie. I think visually he's there. The stories are dated and that's what hurts it. You know, and then for the most part, the acting's fine. You know, Michelle Yeoh's good. Uh, what's, what's his name? Donovan McNabb. That guy, he was good too. Like Heather said, uh, I probably shouldn't have picked a quarterback from the Philadelphia Eagles when I said that. I should not have just named somebody that's also a celebrity or something. Um, but yes, that guy was, and that guy was fine. You know, uh, like I said, Kenneth Branagh, I fucking love him as Perot. So he just, you know, stay being a king. Uh, Michelle Yeoh, you know, she's fine. Um, it's, you know, it's not top tier Michelle Yeoh, but it's not disappointing Michelle Yeoh. It's just a, oh, that's nice. Michelle Yeoh's here. Like, you know. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, you know, Tina Fey. Okay, sure. I mean, that's good Tina Fey, I guess. Or it's bad Tina Fey. I don't really know. She is. So it's like Justin said, I don't know if there's another role like this. I can compare her, compare with her. So I don't know if it was good or bad or what. It was, you know, Tina Fey. And I'm like, okay, Tina Fey, you were in a movie. Okay, that's cool. And do then, you like her normally, like in her comedic stuff? No. Not no, really? I don't. Okay. Um, her <laughs> comedy is weirdly problematic. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, and it's typically because she's very good at writing Stories in the time period that she's in at the moment. Mean Girls is fantastic in the early 2000s. It's a very bad movie message-wise now. Yeah, true. A lot of her stuff is. A lot of 30 Rock is weirdly bad like that. Tina Fey stuff weirdly likes having a lot of blackface in it too. It's very weird. And to be fair, I've never seen any 30 Rock, so I I wasn't even thinking about that. Interesting. Okay. So it's just, you know, I'm I'm hoping she's past some of that stuff. Let's just say I'm, I'm hoping she's past that. There's a lot of rumors that she's going to take over for Lauren Michaels being the head of SNL when he leaves. So we'll see. Wow. I mean, I, I really dug her on, on Weekend Update, though. I think Weekend Update's always been my favorite segment of SNL. Same. Yeah. Like, because even nowadays, I'm not a big fan of SNL as it is presented now. I don't really like what they do. I like what they do on Weekend Update, though. It's kind of fun. I still like that segment. And I think to me, it all goes back to like, when I was younger and watching SNL, Norm MacDonald was the the anchor of S, uh, of Weekend Update. Oh, that man slaughtered. I fucking loved Norm on, on Weekend Update. 
I thought David Spade was fun on it. That's back when Dennis Miller wasn't completely crazy. You know, so uh, yeah, but Tina was good on it. I liked her with Amy Poehler and then also with, uh, what's his name? Seth Meyer. Did she do it with someone else too? Or by herself? I don't remember. Mm, I think, nope. I think she was always with somebody else doing it. Yeah. But yeah, I I always really enjoyed those with her. Um, but yeah, did I mean, she do it with Jimmy Fallon or was that Amy Poehler? It might have been her and Jimmy Fallon at one point. Yes, or no? Okay, no. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I I don't know if I really loved it or not with her. I'm like, okay. I mean, in the end, everybody is a backseat to Kenneth Branagh. I mean. Let's be 100% fair to everybody. Kenneth Branagh is the show. Yeah, you weren't going to you weren't going to beat that. Especially when he's the director. It's slightly unfair. Cuz if yeah. if if he can't beat you in just sheer acting performance, he's going to beat you in screen time. Hands down no matter what. <laughs> yeah. Which, by the way, I was looking, I was trying to remember what else he had directed, and I completely forgot that he directed Thor. Yeah. The first yeah. Thor movie, yeah. Um, also, for anybody that doesn't remember, he was also what was uh, Gilfrey Lockhart, uh, Lockhart from the second Harry Potter movie. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah. That erases yeah. the okay. memories. Yeah. Um, he was he was funny as that character, actually. I do love Kenneth Branagh. I really do. He's a very good actor. And he was in, you know, two minutes of Oppenheimer like everybody else. So he was. <laughs> you know, all five fucking seconds of it. I like how it's it's just in his IMDb, just Oppenheimer. Get out of here with that. Um. Oh, wow. He's been in a lot of Christopher Nolan stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Going back to Dunkirk, at least. I forgot he was also in My Week with Marilyn as Sir Lawrence Olivier. Oh, I forgot he was in Tenet. Interesting. Yeah. He's probably some. Oh, yeah. He was the bad guy. Yeah, I was about it's to say. It's a pretty yeah. forgettable movie, if I'm being honest. For me, that's probably why I didn't remember that. <laughs> but I mean, how do you forget yeah. his best role, though, as Dr. Arliss Loveless from oh, yeah. Wild Wild West? You can't forget it. You can't. Oh. <laughs> Spider Legs himself, you know? Justin, come on. He was like one of the first actual live action Spider Man. <laughs> Put to me. I honestly, I'm, I think that honestly was probably the first movie I ever saw him in. If I'm being real, either that or Hamlet. I don't know which one I saw first. Uh, for me, it'd probably be Frankenstein. The one with uh, Robert De Niro. Cause he played Victor Frankenstein. In that one. I haven't seen that either. The judgment. Oh no. But I mean, yeah, the movie's fine. Uh, it's second. 
I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Heather was talking about. To me, there is no debate on what is better between this and Murder on Orient Express. It's not, it's not even close. They're in different stratospheres. Murder on the Orient Express is the better movie. It's the better, it's the better mustache. It's the better Perot. It's the better story. I think you just are, you, I think you're actually basing it just on the mustache. <laughs> I'm also basing it on the fact that I have seen no less than like five different cinematic versions of that story. Yeah. Yeah. You, you have a lot of experience with that story. Yes. I mean, it's my favorite. It's my favorite of the Agatha Christie Perot stories. Mm, and I, okay. and I do, I do understand that's, that's a very basic answer with that stuff. It's like, Hey, you know, it's the, it's the pumpkin spice latte of, of Agatha Christie stories. But guess what? There's a reason why the pumpkin spice latte sells. It's delicious. It works. It's good. So just that's expect- one of my favorite analogies you've done. I like that one. Yeah, I, I brought that up because there was like it was something on Instagram or TikTok or something like that where somebody was like, uh, "It's a Torchy's Tacos, which is I believe an Austin taco place," and they had a sign up and they were like. We never have and we never will have anything pumpkin spice flavored because we're, you know, we're better than that. I'm like, dude, it's because you're a fucking taco place. Shut up. Right. Like, why fuck? would you have that? <laughs> they have those in Dallas, too. But yes. yeah, whatever. It's some fucking, you know, it's like the NFL coming out with the statement going, we will never use baseball bats in this sport. Okay. okay. We Nobody weren't expecting expected that. you to. <laughs> it doesn't matter. But yeah, it works. And that's, that's the thing. There, there's a reason why the murder on the Orient Express is like the most remade Agatha Christie story. It's because it works. It's because like, to me, that is the best depiction of Perot as a character, regardless of who's playing it. Because I think that is the way you get to see the most facets of Perot's personality in that story. Is that the first of the, the ones they did? Yes. Okay. He is, so he is going in order with these movies, I'm assuming. Oh, first book? No, I don't know. No, no, no. Oh, okay. Um, no, he's kind of just doing the most popular stories or he might just be doing his favorite. I mean, the thing is, is I do think Amazon was going out on a limb when they were like, oh, let's do the alphabet murders, Mm -hmm. you know, with John Malkovich. Uh, that's a lesser known one, but it's not an unknown one, you know, uh, where Death on the Nile and Murder on the Orient Express are probably the two most famous stories mm. with all of this. Uh, a Haunting in Venice is not, the book isn't that. The book is called Halloween Party. Uh, and it actually takes place, There's so there are some differences between this and that. Uh, which originally, I guess I'll go ahead and tell the story. And so I'm, I've been searching and I cannot find where. I knew this story and I thought it's cause I had seen something like a masterpiece theater or something with it. And I haven't. So there has to be something that, that stole aspects of the story that had kind of just leached into my mind. And I don't know what, 
and I'm very confused by it. Cause originally I thought it was like, Oh, like very early on, I picked up on some of the stuff and I was like, Oh yeah, I know this story. I, I didn't think I did. And I was like, when I was watching, I was like, Oh, I know this. And then I looked something up and it wasn't that. And I was like, where the fuck do I know this from then? And I still haven't found it. I, w- I won't quit searching. And maybe on another episode, I will give an update on my, why the fuck I know this story story. Cause there are aspects of, of, of stuff he changed in this that I was so sure that like, I, like I said, I had seen it and I was like, Oh, I knew this. So I wasn't surprised by some of it, but it turns out it wasn't that. So I don't know, but I knew it. We'll see. Uh, if I can ever find anything. Um, but that's really all I have to say at this point. Uh, recommendations and scores? Yep. Yep. Recommendations and score. Uh, Heather, go. Yeah, I recommend it. Um, I mean, similar. I mean, not similar to Jason, but if you are similar to Jason in that you haven't seen the other movies, it's fine. I mean, you're not going to be super lost necessarily on what's happening here because each of them is all sort of their own individual thing. But um, it's, I, I liked it. I thought it was, I thought it was a pretty good, almost, I guess in a way like a transitional movie into the Halloween season, you know? So it came out at a good time and, you know, maybe that also played into why I liked it as much as I did. But um but no, I, I think it's you you are right, Sterling. I think the direction is really good. Um, the cinematography is really good. Um, the way that the characters kind of play off of each other, I think, is really well done. And yeah, I, I think it's the story is fine, but the fact that it's Perot and he's doing his thing, and I feel like this movie has a lot of elements that sort of lean into learning more about him in a different way. Um, I liked that. I thought that was a, a nice touch to add in this movie. So yeah, I, I do recommend it. I think if you like murder mystery type movies, um, if you like Kenneth Branagh, you know, if, if you like any of that stuff, then yeah, I think you're going to like this for sure. Um, yeah, I, I think there's not really anything I can say that would steer me away from saying, watch it. Not because it's the best thing I've ever seen. Or anything like that. I love a good murder mystery movie. Uh, Knives Out is one of my favorite films. You know, this is no Knives Out. But again, we probably wouldn't have a Knives Out if it weren't for stories like this that came before it. So, um, yeah, I think it's it's good. It, it, it's serviceable. It's a serviceable movie. A serviceable murder mystery movie for sure. Um, I will give this... I'm going to give it 75 bobbing for apples out of a hundred. Did you say 75? Yes. Yeah. All right, Justin, what about you? Yeah. Um, I'm going to recommend it as well. I, I thought that it was a solid enough movie to recommend and yeah, we we already sort of made some comparisons to Knives Out to just kind of give people an idea of kind of kind of the mystery of it and what you're going into and sort of the pacing of it. So 
I think if you're somebody like me who ha- who is not familiar with this series, but you liked that movie, I could just see you liking this. If you like the movie Clue, if you like the the murder mystery cinema movies, I just don't see how you wouldn't like this one. And and this one does have the added bonus of also having some spooky horror elements to it. So I think that if you're somebody who's a fan of that stuff, it it, it may not fully satiate that hunger, I guess, in in every way, but it's here. So if you're a fan of that stuff, I think you'll appreciate a lot of the visuals and some of what they were doing with the with the dark supernatural horror elements to help the suspense of the movie. So I think that it complements this story well. Um, And yeah, I think if there's any flaw or anything with the film, it's, it's like I said, I think that, and and if it's par for the course for the series of movies, then I guess it's par for the course, but I just think that those horror and mystery elements are weaker than sort of the character journey elements of the story. And maybe that's what they wanted. Maybe that was the only way to accomplish uh, what they wanted you to feel and understand by the end. But I think maybe if there was just a bit more balance in that way, you know, Maybe if I felt a little more scared, maybe if I felt if the mystery once I got to the end was a little more satisfying, maybe I'd feel even better about it. But as it stands, it was all of those things are fine. I'm not saying those things are none of those things are bad. So I think that that's ultimately good. (laughs) So uh, with that being said, We'll go. We'll go seventy. Um, man, I can't. I can't say what I want to say because I think it'll kind of spoil. I'll just say we've never held back. It's fine. <laughs> um. No, nah, I'll be good. I'll be good. We'll we'll just go seventy. Um. We'll say advantageous young children out of a hundred. I guess I recommend it. I mean, you can wait. It'll be on a service somewhere. You know, if you, you know, if you're a murder mystery fan, like they both said, yeah, but you're also probably one of the people that already saw it. You know, nobody goes, man, I'm the biggest murder mystery fan in the world. Oh, wait. You probably saw it. Outside of that, it's, you know, it's a, it's a fine, you know, movie that if you're like curled up on a couch and, you know, you're with your significant other and you just want to watch like a slightly spooky mystery movie or whatever, turn out the lights, get under a cozy blanket and watch a movie. This is fine. This will work. You know. Like I said, it's, it's all right. It's pretty good. But 
if you, you know, if we're talking about it and you go, well, sure. Like, should I, should I see it in theaters? I'm not going to give you the most wholehearted, like, yes. I'm like, yeah, if you want. Or if you don't, that's fine too. But I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't, you know, hate my time watching this movie. It's pretty good. Uh, probably closer to you, Justin, than I am Heather. I'll give it a 70. Uh, a 70. Bad mothers out of 100. Uh, that brings our Cinescore to an official uh, 72. That's fine. Cool. Spoilers? Yep. Yep. Spoilers. I kind of want to start with you, Justin. Since this was your first introduction into the world of Hercule Poirot. How did you feel about like that little secondary mystery that was solved that like you didn't even know was a mystery and he just solved it and went, Oh yeah, there's this mystery. And then that whole leading to like the, the reveal at the end, because this reveal was very, you know, that whole, Oh, let, let's all stand around as I just monologue a bunch of shit and solve the murder while I do it. That's very much a Perot thing to do. So, like, within the context of seeing that with the character of Perot, how was that for you? Um, I, I guess I would say um, the, the initial mystery. Well, I think what I liked about it is that the, the whole premise, because the reason why he was even coming to this seance by the Michelle Yeoh character, Miss Reynolds. Oh, you're right. There is three mysteries in this. That's not even, yeah. That is the initial mystery. They get solved like halfway through the movie. Yeah. So like there's the, the two that get solved at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And, And so like his reason for coming, I, I did like how it started as him coming because because he was because he was just there to debunk this this woman who's doing these seances and claims she can speak to the dead and stuff like that, and him being such a practical, logical person, he was intrigued about coming there to see if he could debunk this person who seems to have this relationship with the supernatural. So I thought that that it starts with that. And so you think, okay, is it just going to be about that? So is it going to be this journey of him sort of proving that the, the right or wrong of that, that there is no supernatural and this is all a hoax and things like that? So, I, so, but, so, but what I did like about that is that right away, 
that the 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 seance woman and stuff like that he does debunk what's happening he you know he cracks that there are these two assistants and that there's one hiding in a chimney and and using a magnet to to type on the typewriter and all of that kind of stuff so right away the what it starts with and you coming there to and him coming there to debunk that he does he sort of solves that right away so i thought that that was cool but then the movie goes turns you for a loop and goes up oh, but now we have this murder and you know now we have this murder and now there's something there's another sort of mystery that comes from him solving that mystery and now we're on a journey to do that so i thought that that was I thought that that was well written, like, like like overall, just how they did that, how they started with this one thing. This is the premise that gets him in the door, but this is why we're staying, literally, because he sort of locks everybody into the into the home and says nobody's leaving till I solve it. So I like how we started with one reason to get there. We we find out we solved that reason and now we're here for another reason. So all of that was cool. And I think, and like I said, what intrigued me the most about the story wasn't really the the mystery or who did it. You know, I've seen, even though I haven't seen this series of movies, I've seen enough mystery stuff to know that our detective is going to solve it. But what I found more intriguing was still this man questioning, could there actually be ghosts? Could there, are there actually souls going around in this home? And him sort of, you know, coming to grips or just having confrontations with things that he can't quite explain. And what that does to a person as logical and practical as him. So I found that infinitely more interesting than the mystery of it. You know, even if I did find out who did it and he, who did it. And and yes, the, the, the interviews that he does with the different characters and him questioning everybody and the characters, I guess, are intriguing enough to where you're there for the story and you follow it. But I don't know if any of them were intriguing enough or anything that was happening was enough, was ever going to be enough at the end for me to be like, oh, man, this mystery is why I showed up for this. Or this mystery is why the the solving of this is really what I'm looking for. I just really like I just liked his Perot's journey through this house and trying to understand these dark elements and doing his thing. Yeah. And and was that, um, you know, was that a ghost that, you know, um, that helped me out in this situation or. Is there some other way to explain it? I I just liked all of that. I just loved all the back and forth that he was going through with that. So by the time it gets to the end and he's talking about solving the mystery 
and and he, and he goes through everything, and we find out about um, Rowena Ro, Rowena Drake, who is the bad mom, and we find out why she did what she did, and everything about that, and the poisoning, and the flowers, and all of that stuff. All of that stuff was cool. You know, I was fine with all of that and the explanation and why and her motive and why she did what she did. And all of that was fine. But. Yeah, but 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 and as you said that, Sterling, it was just him pretty much just monologuing what happened and I don't know if I fully felt like the movie gave me all the clues to figure it out myself. It felt like I'm figuring it out. I, I felt like just somebody, like I was just there in the house <laughs> listening to him figure it out. But I didn't 100% feel that I figured it out for myself. Like there are parts where I'm like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And of course it's replaying different clues and things that it gave you and why characters did what they did. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, it all made sense. It wasn't like I felt tricked or that it was cheap. I I just think quality wise, I didn't have that moment at the end where I would have this epiphany and was like, oh man, this was so expertly crafted I could have figured out myself I wonder if I would have figured that out myself I would have had to have known about the flower and shit and the poison and like I unless I knew that shit already I wouldn't have been able to figure this out it's 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 the old hat trick of the detective randomly knows everything it's the Sherlock Holmes the oh this specific varietal of the flower this that and all that bullshit no, like that's the thing is you're never truly meant to solve these mysteries. Go okay. Ahead. So it, 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 okay. to me, I'm fine with that in these instances because they're not lying to me. You know what I mean? They didn't yeah. lie to you. Yeah. yeah. You know, you were seeing shit because he was seeing shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They're not lying to you. It is just intentionally written and, and, and done so you'll never know it. You know, okay. like that's the point is you're not supposed to know it. You know, it's those things like, okay, because they, they do that and they do that in Sherlock Holmes a lot too. And they do that in this It's to show you how great of a detective they are because yeah. they knew the flowers. You could have known flowers, Justin. Why didn't you know flowers? See, uh, you're not as smart as Perot. <laughs> Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's the whole, everyone there always thinks they can outsmart him in something, but no, it turns out, no, no, no. He knows this too. You know? Yeah. It's that. It's a very 1920s way of fucking doing these stories, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, and I think maybe some of that, your enjoyment of that is probably going to coincide with how much fandom you have for this character and what he does. So for me, you know, I'm not really a fan of the character. I've just, you know, this is my introduction to this character. So I'm watching him do this amazing thing. 
But there is a part of me that sort of wishes, man, I wish I could have, the, 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 I couldn't help but feel like I wish I could have figured out more of it for myself. But maybe if I had seen the other movies and understood that this was the style of movie, maybe I would have appreciated more from just, oh, this is an amazing character standpoint than I would, you know, just kind of sitting there watching it. Like me, mm. I've, 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 I've taken gymnastics and I do athletic shit. So when Spider-Man does a flip over somebody's head and does something athletic and kicks them, I might get more excitement than a son of a bitch who just <laughs> has never done anything athletic. He may not appreciate the kick as much as I did. Well, I didn't appreciate, I probably didn't appreciate Perot's kick as much as a fan would. So, so, and I have the benefit of this is the type of shit I grew up on. It's okay. the murder she wrote. It's the diagnosis murder. It's the heart to heart. It's Columbo. Yeah. It's, it's that type of shit. I, that I watched religiously with my fucking grandmother, you know? So to me, I, I, I totally get with what you're saying with that when, I have been indoctrinated with this version of mystery storytelling for so long. It does not phase me that that's what they do. You know, mm. like I said, cause they don't lie to you. That's what always makes me mad in these movies is when they lie to you. I don't want to beat a dead horse, but I'm looking at you one night in Soho or whatever the fuck that movie was called. <laughs> <laughs> don't yeah, lie to me. Soho. Yeah. yeah. Last night in Soho. That's right. Where they lie to you or like, but, but I do appreciate the Ryan Johnson type of, uh, of mystery where they give you a shot to solve it. Yeah. It's not 100% yeah. him while they also do add some elements of it. If you look at, was it glass onion when they're doing the murder mystery party aspect, bam solves it. And they don't give you all the, it's, it's, they did a mini version of what he does in this movie where he yeah. had all the information and you had none. So he yep. solves it real quick. That to me was a nod to this style of story. That's what I was about to say. You could see where they probably took elements from this because that's sort of what happened. You know, the, the, the initial mystery is solved quickly by our detective, but then there's this other, layer there's the glass onion there are these other layers that then we have to peel apart and find out so yeah i can see where the, the how there could be people who are fans of this story and have derived things from this story so that's not lost on me but in the moment that's just sort of how i felt you know i felt more just like that i was like oh man well okay that was cool and i'm listening to him and some of it was cool when they go back and play stuff and it's like, oh, she thought that when he, whenever he had the costume on because Miss Reynolds put the costume on him, she tried to drown him, mistaken him for Miss Reynolds. You know, there was some cool stuff in there that they were playing back and showing you that added to the story and stuff that you were seeing. So, like I said, I didn't think any of it was bad. But 
I couldn't help but feel that there was just a little, I, I wanted something a little more. I, I, it just felt like I just wanted to feel like I was in on it more, but, but it was, but it was all good. And I'm hoping that when you say the second mystery, are you talking about the, the blackmail letters and well, Okay, the, the the three mysteries in this movie that he completely solves. Actually, I guess technically, yeah, you just mentioned a fourth, the the, the final mystery at the end. Okay. There's See, four mysteries in this. Because uh, <laughs> the mysteries would be the whole, is she really a medium? Then mm. it's the whole Tina Fey security guard medium conspiracy triangle of trying to expose or to confuse him to sell books that's the second mystery yeah. then yeah. it's the murder mystery and then yeah you, you there are so many mysteries it's easy to forget yes there's the fourth mystery of who was writing the blackmail letters okay okay no um I, I, all of those resolutions like, like and that was one thing that that the film did do well it ties up everything and a nice little bow and not like a contrived bow where you're like, man, all this shit just fixed itself at the end. It felt fine. Everything, every resolution that I got felt satisfactory. There was nothing where I felt like, well, that could that should have been explained more or that could have been. I think in that way, the way that it tied together all of those loose ends was good, but still left just a little bit of that unquestioned. Did 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 a ghost help him? Did a ghost save his life? So I liked how the film did that. It tied up all those bows, but when but when that situation was over, you felt like he sort of really learned. You felt like he learned something too. You felt like the character's perspective probably grew a little bit from that experience. And I think the movie absolutely had to nail that, and it did. Like, if it felt like he learned nothing and he just figured out everything and stepped out of that, you know, stepped out of the house, I think I would have been more disappointed. But that's not what they did. So I think that was a great call as well. I think you really, I think you would like Murder on the Orient Express better on a more okay. pure mystery level. I think that that works a little better. It's still kind of got the same formula with some of that stuff with, like I said. But I, I think that the the mystery aspect of it will grasp you a little more in okay. that regard. Um, and to this movie's credit, last thing I'll say really quick, to this movie's credit, now I do want to go and see those movies. That's one thing I can say about it. This was good enough to where I'm like, man, I should have watched the other shit, you know? Um, so, yeah, like, and then now I'm, I am curious about those movies and how they went and what this character does in those. So I will be watching them. You should. I mean, one of them at least. If you skipped Death on the Nile, he wouldn't offend anybody. But Gal Gadot's in it. She's in it. I don't have to see it. That's about all she is, Justin. She's in the movie. <laughs> it's good enough for me, dog. 
just get, save her as your fucking screensaver on your phone. You don't have to actually get tortured by her acting to see her. <laughs> Why haven't I done that? I do have some Wonder Woman stuff. No, I'm just saying you don't Wonder actually time. have to watch her act because that's man, the worst. She acts thing just fine. You hate man. She 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 acts just fine. Man, go watch Death. All right, fine. I take that back. Go watch Death on a Nile and tell me she can fucking act. <laughs> you you remember that show Ed Ed and Eddie? And then yeah. the, that was that character like board or wood or whatever the plank. You know, that like that piece of wood with a face drawn on it. Yeah, that's her. <laughs> man, that's I don't believe that's not true at all, man. She's had her moments, you know, she's she's just she I just really like what I see. Like when I drive by the BK, it's the same kind of I feel thing. like yeah, I was gonna I'm say this like, is like the new BK conversation, I feel like. <laughs> but Justin, we've already <laughs> determined your true love, at least in this lifetime, is raising canes. So <laughs> you're actually just you, you think you're adding points to her score. You're not. You're detracting. <laughs> Cause you're saying that you you, you know it's this, it fills you with the same feeling, but we know that that's not the true feeling. We went over this. She's not your Arthur, okay? Yeah. She's not your Arthur. <laughs> well, I guess she wouldn't be my Arthur actor, but I still like her every now and then. I still like to see what she's up to, you know? Go to From what I've heard, Justin, you need to go watch fucking Red Notice, and you need to go watch that movie Heart of Stone she just did on Netflix. Go watch both of those and see if you actually like her as an actress. The Rock's in it. It can't be bad. I mean, I don't hate it as much as Sterling does, but it's definitely not any of their best. It's fucking garbage. I do. I will say the shining light of that movie is I do think that The Rock and Ryan Reynolds have a good chemistry when it's just them. The character that Gal Gadot plays just shows up in the middle of it and ruins every fucking second of it every time she does her bullshit. Okay, maybe they wrote her bad. But in the Fast series, she's fine. You know, she was fine. And you were happy when she came back. Like, are Wasn't we happy though, Justin? about it? I really wish I had something and I could just pull it up and play it right now. Because I wasn't. <laughs> I think I even implied earlier in this episode. I think I said she was the equivalent of a JCPenney model. Oh, you man. Did, but, but none of that, to <laughs> me, sounded like you impression. didn't like it. None of that sounded to me like you didn't like it i think she did all of that but you still liked it on the inside all right let me ask you a question justin when you were growing up <laughs> did you actually like it when you had to go clothes shopping at jc penny i get that you had to sometimes no. but did you like it did you prefer it did you want to get your clothes at jc penny did you actually ever go and look at a jc penny catalog to go then plan out possible what clothes you might buy Okay, to be honest, I wasn't exactly a fan. Yeah, exactly. What I said stands. But There's nothing exciting clothes. and likable about a JCPenney catalog. But you still need clothes to live, and you need Gal Gadot to live. No. We do need her. I need the clothes. Don't I don't need the, the catalog or the models. Don't you need her, Heather? Here's the thing. Her. <laughs> here's the thing with it 
I, I feel like, and I kind of was thinking about this too, like when Sterling was talking about her chemistry with other people, I do think that is the benefit of her because I'm also curious, like, I can't think of a time when I've seen her actually like in a scenario where it's just her and other women. It's usually her played against like a male counterpart and the male counterparts are always very charismatic, you know, and I do agree with that. So I'm like, that's why I'm like, okay, this next next fast movie, I want to see how she is with Charlize Theron and Michelle Rodriguez. Cause like, Maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe she could get better. But I just want you to think about if she wasn't so hot, Jastin, would you think her acting abilities were what you think they are right now? <laughs> That's okay. the question. That's I'm the gonna, question. <laughs> I'm going to answer Nobody denies her hotness. I, her, think I, have a very hot. way, I think I have a better way of asking that question. Picture me in all her roles with her acting ability. Is she still a good actor? I would say that it is impossible for me. Justin, to, you see me in women's not clothes. Think about you can picture it. It's fine. Impossible <laughs> for me to... Think of Gal Gadot and not think about her ability to be attractive. I feel like that's where you were going with that. <laughs> no, Justin, I'm, that's what I'm saying is just picture me as Wonder Woman. Did you have to finish the sentence so perfectly? No, no. Picture I mean, me as Wonder just, Woman. Is it still a good movie? I mean, look at good is an ability too, guys. It, look, it's a superpower. Picture me as Wonder Woman. Is it still a good movie? With her acting ability and my looks, is Wonder Woman still a good movie? I mean, yes, I think, right? No. She carries it. It's not. She carried that movie, though. She did a great job. Oh, Chris you know Pine carried that movie. <laughs> I was going to say, maybe it'd be better because, I mean... If Sterling was next to Chris Pine in that movie, I'd the have chemistry way more sexual chemistry be. with him than she did. Because <laughs> you know what would come across that I want to fuck him. You don't care if it goes against the character of who she is, because you're just like, no, it's Chris Pine. <laughs> be like, I'd fuck this guy. Just saying, Justin. I don't know. I'm on the other side of it. I just really, really like the way she looks. And I'm, I don't That's think fine. I should have to apologize for that. You don't, no one asked no, you to you apologize don't. for it. I, and I don't disagree. She's very beautiful. I understand that. I'm, I kind of She's a good actress. No. <laughs> All no. beautiful people equals good actors. Is that how that works? <laughs> huh. Pretty much. I mean, I can't, I can't, you know. It's it's hard to not associate the two. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't think that's true, Justin. I think you can separate the two. <laughs> uh, Shannon I can only Elizabeth, speak on what I can do. I can only speak on what I can do. All right, Justin. Oh, Shannon Elizabeth, is she a good actress? Yeah. 
Justin, do you actually mean that? <laughs> no. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you tried, though. You really I tried so hard. The conviction hard. was too strong. I tried you. so hard. I tried so hard. That's a good example. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just okay, but she's not but she's not like Gal Gadot cute. You're telling me Shannon Elizabeth in fucking Thirteen <laughs> Ghosts or American Pie wasn't top tier. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. She ain't a Wonder Woman, dog. Come on now. Is that the real reason you like Thirteen Ghosts? <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, the ghost be. is good because of the ghost. Nothing else in that movie's good. <laughs> and every, everybody's fucking lying if they say that they don't like the ghosts in that movie. Because you just like, there's all this intricate backstory and lore and all of these little things. You're like, that's fucking awesome. And then they ruin it by having the rest of the movie happen. It's very much like Sonic or like a. Uh, the uh, King Kong and Godzilla movies. It's like, quit showing me these people in this movie. Just show me this shit. I don't want to see the people doing people shit. Who gives a fuck about that? You've got these, you've got these 13 ghosts like here with just all the coolest of shit. And then you're going, Hey, let's, let's watch some people and not the ghosts. Fuck that. Anyway, Heather, you go with your spoilery thoughts. <laughs> um, I mean, I was going to start out, too, by saying, like, your point that you made about Jason liking the murder on the Orient Express more. The more I'm, like, thinking through what happens in that movie, the actual mystery of that movie is better. So I think you're right. I think Jason will probably like the story of that one a lot better. Um I mean, I'll be honest, at one point I did think that maybe Tina Fey's character was the killer. Um, just I just I knew there was something off about her. I knew there was something that we weren't seeing, something that was going to be revealed because it just felt a little bit too good to be true with her character and her connection with Perot and all of this stuff. I just felt like something was off about that. I was like, I think she might be the killer. But then I was like, maybe not the killer, but something about her it's gonna be there's gonna be something about her that he finds out you know so because i mean she just kind of came out of out of no it felt like she came out of nowhere with her like hey this is why i want you here thing you know but um so that that was that and so they do kind of i mean you're right there's not really gonna be a we are gonna figure it out but it's fun to guess and have ideas and things like that so how many people died there was a, there was, um, you know, Michelle Yeoh, uh, the doctor and four total because you've got to count the daughter too. And the daughter who was prior to the movie dead. Yeah. So four people in this movie, that's a lot. So I guess it's kind of like he solves a, a mystery for every death that there is because he solved four mysteries in this and there were four deaths in this. Um, but yeah, I think. I really, I really liked um, just sort of his conflict and his whole thing about, you know, is this ghost thing real? Am I making this up? Like what's actually real? Because 
it, it, you could feel moments when he's like struggling with that because he's like, I would never believe any of this to be real on my own. And I also like that moment too of, I think somewhere at the beginning of the movie when they're talking about souls and things like that. And he basically in a sense says, I don't, I don't think people have souls or something like that. And she said, well, that's really sad and something. And he's like, yes, it is. It's very sad (laughs) or whatever he says. It was a really funny moment. I really liked from him. And I feel like that kind of encompassed his entire character in a way because he's like very self-aware, um, you know, doesn't really try to pretend to be something that he's not, but you know, very quick and witty with it as well. So I don't know. I, I just like that moment in the movie, but um, I mean, I do think at times, like I thought that the, the son, the little boy, I thought he was good, but he was a little borderline creepy at points. Like, and I think that that was also by design too, where you're thinking, okay, did he have something to do with this? He was a little bit too well adjusted for his age. I got to say. Um, so I wasn't sure how I felt about that and like just how way composed he was for everything that was going on around him. But it seems like he was like, yeah, this seems pretty normal for me. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like, um, I do kind of like how, I guess in a way they left it up in the air with what Perot walks away actually believing or things like that because he's you know he sees this ghost that supposedly helps him solve this case but then he's like I don't know like you know he just you could tell he he's still kind of up in the air I think at the end of the movie with what he actually thinks and I I liked that you know it's kind of it feels like this journey of exploring that part of himself can continue a little bit um so, yeah, I don't know. I, I just liked that. I just I liked what they did with Perot's character in this. And um, I kind of also something you said earlier, Sterling, about Michelle Yeoh and how you're just like it wasn't, you know, peak Michelle Yeoh wasn't the best. She was just there. And you're like, oh, it's nice. That does make sense. But I feel like it's just because she's not in it that long. I mean, maybe a total of five minutes screen time, would you say? Probably. Maybe a hair longer than that. Eight minute I mean, screen time? Yeah, it's, like cause it's, it's because of the deaths you see happened during the timeline of the movie. Mm-hmm. She's the first one. Right. Yeah. So, and that that was kind of a bummer because I guess that's another thing I'll say is, man, I wanted more of her in the movie because even what she did with her character and the moments when she's being very vulnerable with Perot about things, that was such a good scene between them. I thought that was so great. I really liked it and I would love more of, of that, but I get why we can't have that. But even in her, you know, eight minutes of screen time that she had, I mean, she left an impact and she was really so memorable in that movie. I feel like, and she just kind of has a presence about her and she just really played the character well. So I'm just bummed. There wasn't more of her. Um, she was great. And yeah, I, I mean, and I'm not going to pretend like I saw it coming that the mom was actually involved. Um, but I, I like that you don't expect it because it just kind of the movie has this way of making you feel like it's got to be anybody but her. Right. And then for, I don't know, him to just out of nowhere pick up on little things like that was really 
it was great. You know, it's, it's what you want from him in this case. You, you want him to solve it. You want to know that he's going to figure it out. And he does. And, um, yeah, it was, it was really well done in that way. I mean, it's also one of those things where, I mean, the only thing I feel like in this movie that you could really kind of spoil is who dies and who did it. <laughs> like it's not really, you know, it's one of those stories where it's, it's all kind of leading up to that. And, and I do like, and agree with both of you about how it's really just his journey and his like watching him do his thing to figure out what's going on and then happens to get these bonus solves in. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I do think that what they do well with it is even though f- technically four people die in this movie and there's all these little like mysteries sort of intertwined with each other. It, do- it doesn't feel overcrowded to me. I-, I will say that about it. It doesn't feel like they were just like, let's just throw all the things in because why not? You know, it did feel like they were methodical about how they played this out and how they revealed these things so that, you know, you're, you're getting a little bit of it along the way more and more. And I will say, I, I appreciate that about this movie because it's not a very long movie. I mean, it's less than two hours and it's, you know, I just, I feel like I, I respect that they did that because there's so many movies when you're like, you're trying to do too much. (laughs) You are trying to be different and unique and you're doing too much. And maybe that is part of the whole thing of this story actually being a very old story, right? Like maybe that's part of why it doesn't do that. And it just tells this story that hits the beats of a 1920s story. But, um, and I would be curious. I mean, I haven't seen any other adaptations of any of these Perot stories, but I would be interested to see like the differences in them. I mean, because Sterling, I mean, you've seen so many of the Orient Express. Like, is there something different they do in this one with him? Or is it just how he portrays the character that you like so well with the murder on the Orient Express? I really like his portrayal of Perot. Okay. I just didn't know if they like switch things up or if it's basically the same story that you've he, seen every time. The kid has brought in a version of it. And they, I guess that's the one positive thing in Death in the Nile. He's a very particular person. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is not a spoiler. It's just shows it at the beginning. It's the opening scene of the murder or death on the Nile. He has this boy running around cause he like to get him at a, a very specific soft boiled egg, but he wants mm. the egg to be a very specific size mm-hmm. so that when it's soft boiled, it's a perfect soft boil. You know, mm-hmm. he's that particular on murder in the Orient <laughs> express. Well, when he goes to to bed in the sleeping car, he's got this little strap he puts on his mustache <laughs> to stop his mustache from getting discombobulated while he sleeps. You know what I mean? It's that that particularness. It's the spe- the specificity. It's it's those aspects of Perot. It's like, you know, why is he such a great detective? Because he is so fucking meticulous mm. that this little fucking yeah. detail that all these people have walked by. He noticed nine hours ago and no one had a fucking clue it was there. Not even the killer. So they couldn't even cover up the fact that they fucked up because he noticed that, you know, he's the kind of guy that's like, oh, you know, your button obviously got messed up in the scuffle because it has one less thread holding it. 
to your shirt than all the other buttons on your, you know, it's that <laughs> shit. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, I like his portrayal of it. Okay. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is some aloofness to him when he's around people he knows, but I like how he's just so meticulous, even when you're not, when, when you're not even thinking he is. Right. You, know, you yeah. think he's just talking and doing this. No, he is analyzing and dissecting and, you know, all of these things in his mind while doing anything right. else. Mm-hmm. You know, no, that's fair. Yeah. I was just curious if it's like, oh, they actually switched a couple of things in it or if it's just he's so good at being that character that it just makes it better. Um, yeah, I, I, I like it because in so many other portrayals of Perot, is that those aspects I just mentioned kind of seem completely background. And I think this version of Perot with the way they portray other aspects of his life mm. and just some of the things that you see outside of just the mystery side of things, you see the meticulousness that then lends itself to the mystery solving. Yeah, that's fair. No, that's a good point. Um, I mean, he he is a great character. And then I think, I mean, I think you even mentioned in, it was either in our episode on Knives Out or Glass Onion, how Benoit is basically, I mean, a version of Perot. Like they basically based his character off of him just because of some particular quirks he has well, and well, it, things like Perot that. Well, it's and it's Sherlock Holmes. It's kind both of a of mixture, them. They, yeah. Unfortunately, they are the same archetype. Like it's... Yeah. It's the, that that S tier, that God level detective. Right, right. You know, no, that's that fair. Randomly knows something about everything. Where I do like the Benoit Blanc character a little more is the flaws he has. Mm-hmm. I, I truly love the aspect of the character that if it's a simple mystery, if it is just mm-hmm. something simple, it will stump him. Because his mind has a hard time of just conceiving of the stupidity. Right. Whereas I think (laughs) like Sherlock Holmes or Perot, they would like, before they even said a word, he'd be like, Oh, you're stupid. So I know this and you did this and bam, it's done. I like that the Benoit Blanc character, that the mundane can stump him. I, I think it's a great character flaw. Yeah. I like that too. And because it's only a flaw as a world-class detective. It's not a flaw of real people. It's not a flaw of reality. It's a flaw to the detective archetype. Yeah. But it makes the character fun. That is to me. That is probably still one of my favorite scenes in, in, in glass onion is the very beginning where he's playing among us with a bunch of other TV and movie detectives. And he's just fucking stumped the whole time because right. it's a stupid little fucking game. And it's, you know, he's just like, uh, how, you know? And that's, and I love that. I love that, just that weird flaw they introduced to the character because it does sometimes get boring when detectives know everything the whole time. And that's why. In a Perot story, especially something like this, that's why there's so many mysteries. Because if you break down each mystery in the movie, 
none of them are that big of mysteries. They're mm-hmm. very small. So, of course, he's just going to solve it. They have to put these weird obstacles or more mysteries to flesh it out. Or otherwise, you know, if you if this whole movie was like, oh, let me figure out if the medium's real or not. Yeah. The movie's what, 45 minutes long? Done? <laughs> yeah. You know? Right. So that's why they layer so many mysteries into the one mystery because... Otherwise, somebody of his caliber that's just always, you know, knows everything, all this other shit. All the stories would be just like, bam, done. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think uh, one thing I like about Perot's character is just you can kind of see like like this this confidence that he has where he knows how smart he is. <laughs> he knows that he's very good at what he does and you can kind of see that in in some of the things that he says even or does in the movies. And and I like that because he's I don't know, he's he's just a very self-aware person, flaws and all, you know, and I, I think that's kind of cool to to have a detective who's just kind of like what Sterling said, so meticulous and all of these things, but still be, um, you know, a flawed person and and somebody who maybe his own mind probably gets the best of him sometimes. And I think in this movie, that's maybe that's part of why he was struggling so hard with like, is this real? Am I making this up in my mind? Because he's so used to the just relying on his brain and his mind, which always makes sense to him. And then for something to disrupt that, um, you know, and kind of make him question his own mind was probably terrifying for him, you know? And I think that that's kind of a cool thing that they, put into this into this mystery because I mean you there's moments when you see him really shaken up by some of the things that he's seeing happening in this house and you know it it could get to a point with a character like him where if he lets it get in his mind too much it might keep him from doing his job and solving the mystery so it was kind of like you see why he's worried about it but yeah, he's just he he relies so much on his brain that anything disrupting that just it feels like it's going to just throw him completely and break him. So um, I just kind of really liked that aspect that they played for in this movie. Um, and yeah, I mean, I don't I don't really have a whole lot more to add as far as like spoilers for it other than just like I really I like how they just kind of unfolded each little side mystery and and how they kind of told this story and yes, the monologuing because you have to do it of, of figuring out the whole thing, but he's not, he's not annoying about it. Like he's, you want to know what he's going to say because you're like, I know you know this and you're so smart. Like I want to hear what you say about this. So yeah, I mean, the only thing is like, I wasn't surprised that the doctor ended up dying or getting killed. Um, the only, really the only thing surprising for me, fully surprising for me was that it ended up being the mom that was kind of responsible for this, uh, for the daughter's death. Um, and I honestly didn't realize that Michelle Yeoh's character was going to die. <laughs> I didn't know that she was the one that was supposed to be the the murdered person. So I wasn't expecting that. I expected more of her in it. But other than that, like, yeah, I, I just, those were the, the most surprising elements of this for me. So, 
um, yeah, I mean, it's the Perot stories. Like you're, you're kind of right, Justin, where it's like, if I hadn't seen any of the other movies, this is one that would make me be like, I want to see what else he's about. Cause I mean, this was, it, it, ca- it captivates you and it, it and ropes you in enough to where you, you care about this detective at least and what other work he's done. So yeah, that's all I got. I'm really glad you two went first because like one issue I think I would have is it would be very easy for me to just dive into other stuff with Perot or any of this other stuff. So I'm really glad that you two got to do all that because it kind of helps me focus a little bit. Like when I would chime in during what you guys said, it, it helps me not, just go on this long fucking rant, even though I know, I know I've done it a couple of times in this episode anyway with it, <laughs> but, uh, but overall with this, what what I'll say is I, I, I like the way that overall this does portray him with some of the aspects of the whole rationality and all of those stuff, because him hallucinating is a great aspect of this story because you, you know, people familiar with the character at least know that pro is very rational. You know, nobody, nobody who is a big fan of the pro stories or anything like that is caught off guard at the beginning when he's like, nah, that shit ain't real. And Tina's face is like, but what if it is? And he's like, that shit ain't real. Yeah. You know, nobody's surprised by that, you know. Also, the whole aspect of Perot is, yes, it's, 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 he is a tragic character. You know, he is not somebody like Sherlock Holmes that has problems with relationships because of how he is. Some aspects of the way Perot is, is because of the relationships he's had and what's happened in his past. And, you know, so I like the way that that, kind of comes across a little more in some of these things that where he, he ends up being so tragic when, you know, Tina Fey's like, you're not even yourself at all right now. And he's like, yeah, no, all I do is eat pastries. I get pastries delivered twice a day. That's all I fucking do. Just eat some pastries. You Relatable. Know, but, yeah. <laughs> and, but I like the fact that it shows that like, it's this weird, like, because part of this movie is kind of also a crisis of faith. Not necessarily of religious faith, but faith in himself, faith in what's real, faith in all of these different things because of the hallucinations and all of these things and the way it toys with how he perceives the world. And I, I think that that's where I kind of agree with you a little bit more, Justin, than what Heather was saying with it, because I do think the ending is slightly more definitive with how it changed him and what he learned because he instantly, he's up all night. This man is up for what, you know, like 36 straight hours at this point, like just going and he gets home and he's like, we're going to solve some more shit. (laughs) Like, you know, it, it, it snapped him out of his funk. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's why I feel like there is 
a true definitive answer to whether or not he learned anything or lessons or any of that other stuff. And that he just, you know, has to go back to being himself. Because I think that that's part of what they're saying in this is, is he even perceiving himself as himself? You know, like, does he just, did he lose faith in what he does? Did he lose faith in humanity? Did he lose faith in all of these things? And I think part of it was the little boy, you know, at the end when he solves the blackmail, uh, blackmail mystery, you know, and the mystery of, you know, the people that are now, you know, when there were, there was, you know, like an inheritance of money now at this point, and these people were going to go and now get to live their life. Like, he yeah, the assistance. Yeah. So they, you know, he kind of had that, that, the regaining of faith, you know, in some of those regards. So I really appreciate those aspects of it. And how at the end, like, I, I, I loved the whole, like, like at the end, he's just like, all right, motherfucker, let's see who's trying to kill you and all your family. You know, I loved that. Um, well, I do think it would have been a little funnier if he had taken the box of pastries with him. Like, come on, Perot, you could still get your pastry on and solve some murders. Have the best of both worlds. You loved the pastries, but you lost a part of yourself. Eat pastries and solve murders. Just saying. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I, I really dug that. I, and what I was talking about with some of the aloofness of, of the Perot character at times is like the whole, like the way he went to approach bobbing for apples, you know, he's just like, Oh, what is this? I guess I will bob for an apple. When at the same time, I think Perot wouldn't bob for apples just for the sheer fact that that would mess up his stash. This was, this was, you know, the olden days mustache wax technology is nowhere near what it is now. <laughs> it's true. Well, I know that wax is inherently hydrophobic. You can't submerge it and expect the hold to last. That's unheard of. But, but yeah, still there's those aloofed elements with it, you know. And I, I do think it is a great scene to just show the, the way they establish his genius in this movie. For people like Justin, who haven't seen any of them or anything like that, was just him like when she's like, oh, the seance. And they're like, how is this happening? And he's like, bam, this. Just like walks over to the fireplace and rips a man out of the fireplace. You know, and he's just like, yeah. And then he just reaches in to this man's pocket. He, you know, just, but he knew exactly what pocket the transmitter was in. You know, it's like, he's like, bam, no guessing, no nothing. Like, yeah. And it's the transmitter. Bop works. You know, I was like, damn, that Perot. Uh, and I, I think that that's a good way to like, you know, since all of these stories, just like any of these old detective things and things like that, it's there's never an ongoing story arc for the most part. 
they are, you know, episode by episode or book by book or movie by movie, you know, story by story episodes. It's more of an anthology of things. And, you know, there's tiny aspects of it that go between and stuff, but they never really affect the overall telling of the story. You know, there's a reason for his mustache uh, that's told in one of the other movies, but I don't, that doesn't really affect Justin watching this movie. You know what I mean? So I, I, I really dug the way they just did it. To, they did that whole quick mystery solve that he's like, also there was kind of like a fuck you, Tina Fey. I just solved it, you know? And then I liked that aspect of it because then it does full circle around a little bit towards the end where you find out that yeah, Tina Fey was kind of in on it. So it's not that she couldn't solve the mystery. It was just, she wanted there to expose him and that she thought she could create the mystery. He couldn't solve, you know? So I really dug all those small things that are, that are in this movie when it comes to Perot and the type of character he is and the stories that they present with it, stuff like that. It's just some of the things that were very specific to this story. You know, they kind of just come and go. And that's what's a little weak. You know, I think that while this movie has a ton of style, you know, like I, I really dug towards the beginning when they were, they're telling the story of the building through, you know, the whole like puppets over a, a you know, the, the projector type of thing and all this other stuff. I think that that was a really good thing. And I, I like the way they played with some of it, but then that, that aspect of the story just kind of ends up getting randomly thrown in with no real, it's real solid concrete this is a part of the story. It's just when it's convenient, they're like, but the kids died here. Like that got a little tiresome that throughout the movie, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing, but the kids died here. You're like, okay, I guess. But, you know, it is what it is. And this is kind of, like I said, this is not you know, unusual for a movie like this with a Pearl character, like I said, where they're solving things you'll never see, you know, because I don't, I don't think whenever they're doing that scene, whenever he exposes the assistants, I don't think they even show the lock on the door for you to be able to see that someone had picked the lock. Like he was like, yeah, and there's scratches on the door. You know what I mean? There's no way that in this movie, they showed that with any sort of clarity that, you could have figured that out, you know? And unfortunately, like in 1995, if this was 1995 Sterling, I would have been stoked about this. But like, oh man, this is fucking great. Unfortunately, 2023 mystery stories are a little better now. They've, they've adapted, they've changed, they've grown. And these stories are just a little old hat. They're fine. They're fun. You know, I'm not saying they shouldn't be making these movies. It's fine. It's a, you know, it's still a, a classic mystery story. But in the end, I'm not going to get as excited about the mystery aspects of it and the solving aspects of it 
as I am for a Benoit, uh, Benoit Blanc movie. You throw me a yeah. Knives Out story, I'm going to get excited. You throw me a Kenneth Branagh Hercule Poirot story, I'm going to be like, all right, I'll watch that. Yeah, I'll that's see fair. it. But I'm not getting amped. I'm not. I'm not having any anticipatory feelings towards it. And that's kind of the unfortunate mix with it. You know? Yeah. It's almost like that comparison that you've made before about how like you love the X-Files, but it wouldn't exist without Twin Peaks. <laughs> but X-Files is way better kind of thing, you know? So it's, it's similar to that, I think, with like stories nowadays. Like, yeah, you don't get, you don't get Benoit without Perot. You know what I mean? Yeah. But Benoit Blanc's fucking modern. Benoit yeah. Blanc is fresh. Yeah. You know, Benoit Blanc uses a fucking cell phone. I mean, it kind of just elevates things whenever it's more modern. It's more everything, you know. <laughs> His because outfits I think, are the best. I, I think it's harder to write mysteries now because of technology, yeah. because of this and that. Like, it's why in so many horror films nowadays, they all of a sudden don't have cell service. Yeah. Because cell phones negate so many horror plots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's why it's really fun when a horror movie is actually creative with how they negate that stuff. Or when a yeah. mystery movie can negate instant communication and instant knowledge. How can you negate that in a mystery? That's fun. Yeah. This is like, this is honestly like, that's why for me, I... I've said several times that I think that Knives Out is a perfect film uh, because it's the perfect type of like mystery thriller type movies that I like or suspense movies that I like. But it's so like creatively and cleverly written. Like there's no holes in it. (laughs) Like they answer everything. You get to the point of everything with it. Like that's so hard to do. Like in general, there's maybe two or three movies I would consider perfect films. And for one of them to be like a mystery film, I feel like that's such a feat because, I mean, there's so much that can go wrong if the story's not told well, you know? Well, with that too, and and it's because also for so long, mystery movies started taking shortcuts. They started cheating. And I don't like that. I don't like movies that cheat. It's lazy it's it, it it's inconsiderate it's rude you're you're being mean to your audience when you cheat in a mystery movie and this is just old hat when it comes to it like i said it's not cheating but it's not as satisfying maybe that's the best way to say it is it's it's not cheating they don't rob you of solving the mystery they just never give you a chance so it's not as satisfying yeah. as when you're watching something like Knives Out or Glass Onion where you're when they're doing the monologue and they're showing you all this shit and you're like, fuck, that was there. That was this. It that I, yeah. I saw that and I didn't connect it. That's so much more satisfying when yep. you find out you had a shot. You you were right there. You saw all the stuff he saw. You could have solved. Mm. I like that. Yeah. You know, because 
Well, it's not satisfying that you didn't solve it. It's satisfying that you could have. So you get that mixed bag of you're like, ah, the movie got me. I think that maybe that's the aspect of it. The movie got me. I like that. You know, you don't walk away from this movie feeling like the movie got you. Because you never stood a chance. You weren't supposed to. You know, whereas then we go to something and I won't spoil it for Justin because I know he hadn't seen it yet, but something like some of the more modern Scream movies. Where, to me, those things are so paper thin. I'm fucking solving them so fucking early in the movie that I am completely unsatisfied at the end of the movie. Because they're going through the whole movie going, man, did we wrap this mystery up? And here's the reveal. And I'm like, all you did was tell me what I knew an hour and a half ago. Mm. That sucks. That's a miserable feeling. Yeah. But I, then I'm, I'm sitting here debating. Do I like that feeling more or do, which feeling do I like more? The feeling of solving the mystery way too fucking early in the movie or being lied to an entire movie, Edgar Wright. I think you hate that more. <laughs> God, I don't think I've ever been as mad at a movie as I was at last night in Soho. Because it's, it's, it's like the weird counterpart to this movie where stylistically it's amazing. It's got some great acting performance. It's got all the style. It's got all this and that. And they are just lying to you the whole fucking movie. Just a lie. So at the end when they're like, and the mystery was this. And you're like, no, it's not. Like you want to fight with the movie. You're like, no, it's not. <laughs> you literally told me at the beginning of the movie that this is not the end of the movie. That the mystery could not possibly be that. You told yep. me that. And then it's like the movie like holds up its hand and it had its fingers crossed behind its back the whole time. Like, <laughs> yeah. So, no, I don't know what's worse. Like being bored for an hour and a half because you fucking solved the movie or being mad at the end because you feel like you wasted two hours on lies and deceits. All that to say is at least this movie didn't do those things. Yeah. That's all I'll say. I'll end it with that. As far as spoilers or anything else goes, I think you guys covered anything I was going to talk about. Plus, in a mystery movie, the only things you can spoil are the ends of the mystery. Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. Pretty much. Yeah. But I will say, and, and just to kind of comment on the... um you know, like at the end saying that you felt like he, you know, th there was more of a conclusion. I do agree with that. I think, I don't know. I don't know why for me, it just kind of felt like, even though, you know, he kind of found his footing again and he was less shook by the end of this movie and he was back on his thing of solving this mystery and helping these people. I feel like he, there was something in him that kind of thought, oh, what if, what if there's more, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I feel like he kind of still left it with an air of not questioning himself, 
anymore, but just kind of questioning like, maybe there's things I haven't thought of before that I need to start thinking about. Like, I don't know. I feel like he just kind of left with more of like a, um, I don't know the answer, but I feel like I want to know the answer. Kind of like he wants to solve the mystery of like why he thinks that he doesn't know. I don't know. I just, I don't know if I'm explaining that well, but that's kind of what I felt by the end of the movie. But it did. I do agree. I feel like he definitely found himself again. He was definitely back to his like top level of solving mysteries by the end of it. So. Well, and I think that that is the growth of it is that he, well, that is at least part of the growth in it that while he had lost faith in people and all these other things, he'd also lost faith in the fact that there was something else to learn in the world, that there was something else to figure out. There's something else to experience that maybe just maybe not all mysteries are the same. The There's idea still, of him being bested was weird to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like the, the, just the idea that there are more mysteries that just because a mystery doesn't seem exciting doesn't mean that it's not exciting to the people who it's happening to. You know, solving, yeah, that's a good point. like the, the, the one that's presented at the end where the guy's like, oh, my family's trying to kill me or like oh, people in my family are dying. Am I cursed? He's like, you're not cursed. It's this. While he might be bored with the mundaneness of this mystery, and it might not be a complex mystery, that doesn't mean that it's not complex and important to the person it's happening to. You know, like... Yep. That saves this man's life. Right. And there's something to be said about solving the mystery that saves someone. Regardless Mm. of whether or not it was complicated or not, you make a difference. Right. You know. Yeah, that's a good point. That maybe if he was around whenever that girl originally died, like maybe he could have solved the mystery and saved more lives. You know, he would have saved the medium. He would have saved, you know, his friendship with Tina Fey, which is now tainted. He would have saved that little boy's father. He would have saved all those things if he'd just been around at the beginning instead of being shut in, you know. And I don't even know if he was in Venice at that time or not, but it's still, it's like those things. It's, by being shut in and not solving mysteries, other people may die. So it's like adding that aspect of it all that, you know, it just kind of gave him the vigor of his life again. Yeah, no, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. But any more thoughts about this movie? Nope. I'm good. On that note, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. Check us out on the internet at www.cinemaslayers.com. We're on Facebook at Cinema Slayers Podcast. We are on uh, Instagram and threads at cinema underscore slayers. We are on uh, TikTok at Cinema Slayers Pod. We are on YouTube at Cinema Slayers Pod. Uh, Shout out to Plug Mido, Migo and Mundo Cho for our theme song and logos respectively. Uh, give us a five-star rating and review. We'd really appreciate it. It'd really help us out. Uh, tell your family, tell your friends, tell your friends, family, tell your family's friends. And most of all, tell those dear sweet mothers because dear sweet mothers love. Perot's mustache, of course. Damn right. <laughs> uh, remember here at the Cinema Slayers podcast, we were both pro-slut, pro-Sydney. You are Knuff. That's all that's all we say there, right, Jason? There's nothing else. And Gal Gadot. <laughs> <laughs>
and Burger King are both straight fire. (laughs) (laughs) But what about Raising Cane's, Justin? You can have more than one fire. You you just had two. Don't be greedy with the fire, Justin. <laughs> Justin's in a fever dream right now. Justin just like. wants all the fire. <laughs> Other people need fire, Justin. You're like the anti-Prometheus. You want to keep all the fire. You don't want to give it to the world. <laughs> I just want to. I just want to burn, man. I just want to stay burning, man. What about Nicole Kidman? Um, she fired too. I, <laughs> she gets three emojis next to her name. Three fire emojis. <laughs> so is Gal Gadot to Burger King like Raising Cane's is to Nicole Kidman for you? Mm, that's a good oh, question. Man. That's a good one. Oh, man. Don't discombobulate me. It's a simple you question, Justin. That's an SAT type question. Just compare analogies. No. Man, that's 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 so impossible. Man, I'm gonna have to do a deep dive into my soul to answer that. Okay, what's your answer? Give me that heart. <laughs> it's gonna take more time than that. Like I'm deep down deep, in the man. soul. I'm gonna yeah. have to go deep. <laughs> I'm talking deep. It's very important, yes. All right, next How many episode, emojis Justin, man, next is, to each I'm, one? I'm talking real deep, Sterling. Like there's fish down there that light up and everything. All right, next episode. Those real strong we'll currents. Okay. Just give me time to deep dive. All right. You got about a week. Figure it out. <laughs> I'm talking deep, man. I'm talking like a deep dish Chicago pizza deep. I'm just you know all, I'm asking, it. all I'm asking. You know. Is if Raising you know Canes. How deep we talking about here. If Raising Canes is your Arthur <laughs> over Burger King. Is Nicole Kidman your Arthur over Gal Gadot? I can't answer right now. I'm just not. I'm too. <laughs> right now, I'm just in the shallow waters, man. I you were go rooting for Nicole brother. Kidman to kill bear children. <laughs> would you? Would you root for Gal Gadot to do the same? Oh man, man, that's so tough to answer. And I'm going to have to get in the submarine, and we are going to have to go to the deep, Sterling. Jason's going to cancel all plans this weekend, and he's just, just going to sit home thinking about this. Just answer one question, <laughs> Pretty Justin. much. Who are you okay with killing children, Nicole Kidman or Gal Gadot? Simple question. That's so weird to put it that way. But I think uh, Heather has the right idea. I'm going to have to take a personal day. And they're like, well, why are you taking a personal day? And I'll be like, well, see, I've, this whole thing about Gal Gadot and. <laughs> I have a question of the soul to answer. And Burger King and Cage. So, um, look, I could explain further, but I think that's all I need to say. So do you wrestle you this weekend? Personal Justin? day or not? <laughs> yes, I do. All right. But I don't know how I'm going to do it because I'm going to be thinking Distracted. about this. So Soul if Justin searching. loses his match this weekend, the only exam, the only reason could possibly be because he was thinking about Nicole Kidman and Gal Gadot. Soul searching over there. And who is this Arthur? Mm-hmm. Which also to me shows how easily you were you were willing to throw Burger King to the side for raising canes. Because that was a quick one. You answered about that Burger King. quickly. You answered that. So quickly. 
Burger King's still my friend, though. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with being a side piece if you want to be a side piece. Wasn't even a side piece, though, Justin. It's just a friend. Just a friend. Not <laughs> side piece, just friends. No, I still look. I still look and won't. Yeah, you can look, but you don't you don't do. You don't eat. Justin, since we huh? last recorded in the last week, have you eaten any more <laughs> naked donuts? Donuts. Have you eaten? Yes, I have. <laughs> have you eaten any Burger King? I haven't gone that way. Enough said. Right Just by your house. We already established your <laughs> yeah, route from your house right to Raising Cane's passes a Burger King. He's trying to say he did not go past his house. Because <laughs> that's where Burger King is at. <laughs> I didn't go that way. <laughs> Whatever. Come on. Why do you have to do me like this? Uh, just let me do my deep dive, man. Just give me time, man. Just say, that was just time, the man. best response, though. I just didn't go that way. <laughs> your house. <laughs> just, it was all a coincidence. I went left instead of right. But if I went right instead of left, I guarantee you, Justin, you I caused my cats driven to fight. by Burger King. You caused my children to fight with your bullshit. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, Justin, you just got me thinking about a lot of things. Look I'm at just this very, face. there's a lot of emotions. Aww. Look at that face. Are you going to lie to that face? No. Oh. You can't, you can't lie to that face. Look that, and look I, that cat in the face and say, Gal Gadot or Nicole Kidman. <laughs> That's who you answer to, this cat. I promise, I promise, cat. I promise. What's the name of the cat? Skin of a rink? This one is Lilith. <laughs> Lilith, okay. So much Close. easier. <laughs> now, Jason. now next week, if Close, you don't yeah. answer, I do have at my house two kittens. And I'm talking about straight baby cats. And I will go get both of them that I can hold in one hand. They are so small and cute. I can hold them together in one hand. And I will make you look them in the eyes. Uh-oh. If you it's try this bullshit next week. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> you are powerless are against two you have, kittens. You have a lot These to think two, about. One Flaubert. of them is named Duperton and the other one is Matthew. Flaubert. Matthew. Okay. Matthew and Duperton. Okay. Got a lot to think about over here, Justin. <laughs> A lot of things up How in the air right now. How can you lie to Willif? Aww. She's Man, like, what's everybody's, happening? Everybody's soul is different, Sterling. So you just, you're just going to have to be patient with me on this. But look at this race. But I'm going to get to the <laughs> bottom of it. I'm going all the way. We're, gonna, we're going deep, Sterling. I'm going to go all the way. Where did we go? That all right. terrible. Like I said, if you... Uh, next week, Lilith <laughs> will come back. And if you are going to look in her face and lie again, I will get the kittens. I okay, will make you don't do that. lie to the kittens. I kind of want you to have to do that just because I want to see the kittens. I can tame them. What kind of songs do they like? Taylor Swift? 
I don't know. We Obviously. Haven't, we haven't, you know, asked them to develop their musical t- taste yet, Justin. They're only eight <laughs> weeks old. They are babies. Go, get them going, man. You need to be playing stuff and see how they react. Justin, they start, all they, they do is the, run around cat, and sleep. You know, start, start cutting a little cat jig. Then you'd be like, oh, man. They have like the Kelly attention Clarkson. span of a hummingbird. They, that doesn't work right now, Justin. I'm just saying. Why are birds always going? Is that because they can't pay attention to anything? I think that's more because they're looking out for prey or predators. Oh. Because they are yeah, prey animals. Definitely the yeah, best impression of a bird that I've ever seen, though. I guess that makes sense. I guess <laughs> if something was going to be eating you every five minutes. Late night musings around. of Jastin. Yeah. Uh, and plus, there is evidence that I'd cats... Be looking, I'd, I'd be looking like a son of a bitch if somebody... <laughs> <laughs> There's also evidence that cats kill birds for fun. And not always food. So uh, knowing that there are predators out there that will just kill you just because you mm-hmm. exist kind of makes you a little more paranoid. Yeah. Making you look around. Yeah, I'd be looking too. That's how I'm going to be in my soul, Sterling. Just, you know, doing that deep dive, just looking everywhere, <laughs> trying to figure it out. Well, just yeah. make sure you t- but I'll take I have an up. answer for you. Make sure oh, you yeah. take enough naked tenders down there with you so you don't, you know, get distracted and you're properly fueled. Mm. Man, I'm I'm trying to order some tomorrow. All this talk about them is making me want them. See, and Burger King which just is proves, on the Which just proves horizon. how little you actually want to eat Burger King. Because we've <laughs> been talking about Burger King every fucking week for how long now? You, you even you've, could have gotten free one. Burger yeah, King. <laughs> we even had a deal that you could get free Burger King. All you had like, to yeah, do yeah, was yeah. say yes. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> sure, yeah, maybe. We'll see. We'll see. You <laughs> hard committed to that for like 30 that. seconds. You were like, yeah, we're going to do it. And then 30 seconds later, you were like, I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I just, it's on the horizon, okay? That's all I got to say about it. What horizon? There's no horizon, Justin. The one where Burger King. We're gonna eat it. No, we're not. <laughs> Justin, if I said next episode, if you choose so, we will eat naked tenders, and I will pay for everybody to get naked tenders. I guarantee. That episode would start with us eating naked tenders. <laughs> oh yeah, we doing that. <laughs> I didn't say we. I didn't say I was going to do that. I'm just saying if I had said that, it would have happened. But the We're fact not that doing it, it, that's not a that's not an offer to do it. No, because I know it will happen. <laughs> I was testing your love of Burger King, and you proved oh. my point. Oh, it's a well, false. False uh, deal, actually. Yeah, I just last well, night in Soho'd your ass. Well, you can't bait and switch <laughs> me like that. Just 
Look, we're, we're, let's keep it Burger King if we're going to keep it Burger King. But when you start talking about naked tenders, man, I'm trying to get on them. So I think I need you. I need you to pick a lane, okay? Justin, I said if I had said that, it would have happened because you actually love raisin canes. I do. Yeah, I do. Okay, and, and Burger King is fine with that. Burger King's got- not fine with it because you don't give it anything. You neglect it. If you were married to Burger King and Raisin Cane's was your side piece, Burger King would be sitting at home with the children, never seeing you because all you were doing is out fucking Raisin Cane's. <laughs> you don't even come home to give Burger King a hug to check on your little chicken fried children to see what what your son Baking King is doing because you were just <laughs> too busy fucking your side piece. <laughs> I totally thought you were going to say the son was Whopper Jr. No, because I know you like the Baking King more. Yeah, that time I had it, it was great. Probably the day it was introduced, and you've never had it since. We haven't even done the outro yet, guys. (laughs) We got stuck. I know. I I know exactly where we are at. He won't (laughs) let me out. He got me locked up and won't let me out. I'm just, just let me, just let me out, Sterling. Let me do my little deep dive. I'll get back to you. No, we can do a deep dive. That's fine. This has nothing to do with the deep dive. This has everything to do with the fact that like two episodes, we determined that Burger King wasn't your love and you're the one that brought it back. I'm having a tough time accepting that, okay? You got to let me accept that on my own time. You you accepted it fully in that episode. You accept it every time we bring it up. You're the one that randomly decides you don't accept it later. He was a broken man after that episode. <laughs> broken spirit. <laughs> I, just, I, just could, I just couldn't believe that. That I just can't believe this is my life. And Justin, I, I just the only like person that can't believe it is you. We all knew you didn't actually like Burger King. No one is surprised by it. How could you tell? Because you don't eat there. I like their tweets. I, I don't understand how that's. I do because like you them. don't actually eat there. Oh. That's the easiest clue of all. You don't have to be Hercule oh. Perot to figure that out. I have to do that. Yeah. So if I have to eat it to prove that I like it. You kind of also have to want to eat it. That's kind of a big component behind it. You have to want to eat it. I do. Yeah. Hmm. What a concept. Because if you wanted to eat it, you would have. You know what I wanted the other day? Tacos. You know what I ate? Tacos. That does make a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm going to try to schedule it. I'm going to try to be better to BK. You know, I'm going to schedule it. See, but that's the thing. Is it love if you have to schedule it? Where's the spontaneity? Where's the romance? Where's the passion, Justin? I'm passionate about schedules. I like 
I just like doing things on it. No, Justin, you're passionate about naked tenders. Because you want to eat God, some right oh, now. Yes, I, I do. <laughs> but whatever I said, Baking King, you went, that was good that one time. You didn't go, I want to eat it now. You just went, that was good, I guess. I liked it back then. I was younger, just like Heather. Child Heather liked it. But that's my point, Justin. So, that's the scheduling a, a a baking king isn't the passion. It's not. It's not the 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 excitement, the spontaneity, the joy. Mm. You want canes? That's fine, Justin. Everyone is fine with it, Justin. You just need to be fine with it. <laughs> you need to accept. What's actually in your heart? You don't need to go on a submarine trip of your soul. You know what your soul is saying. You just have to accept what it is saying. Why don't I feel good about it? Because sometimes the truth hurts. Sometimes the truth is difficult. But in the end, Justin, the truth is what sets you free. It does hurt. I just want it to taste good. I just want to feel good. Yeah. I get it, Justin. It's just like wanting to love someone. You're in love with the idea of being in love with Burger King. But you know deep inside, you just love Raisin Cane's. So this is what love is. What I have for naked tenders? Yeah. (laughs) Accept it. Revel in the joy and happiness that that brings you. There is nothing wrong with being happy, Justin. Just be happy. Let yourself love what you love. It's so hard to just commit to one, but I guess I'm already kind of doing it. But you've done it. (laughs) If you think about it, Justin, is it really that hard to just do what you're already doing, which is committing? That is love. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like you're having a a Ken moment. Ken is me. (laughs) I am Ken. Oh man, this has been a, a revelation for me in my life. In the time, I, sure. I know you have spent months pro- professing your love for Burger King. I understand. But, Justin, here and now, just admit it. What you love is Cain's. You could be right, but I thought I loved BK. You probably did love it. I had nothing but love for it. But you've outgrown that love, Justin. You've moved on. Whether you actually accept it or not, you have moved on. Well, the little kid that I left at the Burger King still loves it. It does. But Justin, right now, as you are grown adult Justin, if I say... I've got naked tenders and a baking king. Which one do you want to eat? 
What do you want? The, the tenders. Yeah. And that's fine. I want you to be happy, Justin. I want you to eat all the naked tenders that your heart desires. I don't want BK to be mad at me, though. I voted for it. And we did the food off. That's fine, Justin. I voted for BK. And in your heart of hearts, you, you know, that was fine. Because that was about the best burger, I believe. I don't even remember. Oh, it was, it was fast food it was. burger. You didn't yeah. lie, Justin. Oh, it was. You didn't lie. Yeah. You remained true to what you said. But in the end, Justin, you're more of a naked tender guy than you are a burger guy. And that's okay. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> this intervention has been yeah. very... Uh, this week on Sterling's Intervention Podcast. I can't believe we went an extra 30 minutes on this. Why do, why do we do this? Because what did you do, Justin? You brought it back to Burger King. I, was gonna, I wasn't going to bring it up. You went there. It, it should have been quick, though. It wasn't. It's, it's never quick like, when Burger King's involved. I feel like I feel like Sterling waited for you to admit what he wanted you to admit <laughs> before you would allow this to end. I said it's like up. I'm not ending it until you say you don't like Burger King is basically what was happening. <laughs> yes, all it was, Justin, is I just asked if there was anything else to say that we are pro. You're the one that went there. You could have said you could have said we're pro canes. Well, I might not be fully behind that. I know you are. And I support you. I don't support saying, the lies. Then, it, then you got to start saying we're pro-naked tenders. No, we're pro-naked. I'm fine with that. <laughs> okay. Take it Me as too. you want. Me too. I don't dislike naked. Yeah. Naked tenders, naked people. It's all the same. Naked juice isn't that bad. I mean, they lie about some of the health benefits and all this other stuff, but it tastes fine. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. There we go. We'll add that okay. to the next episode. Okay. Deal. On that note, just remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. You remember? Just absolute <laughs> insanity. <laughs> <laughs> Why did we go 30 minutes on that? You felt, you felt so broken. When we were talking about it, and then the sudden change to like, why did we go so long talking about this? Realization set in. It really helped me. I just, that was a difficult part of myself that I had to face, and I faced it. I just Dr. Filled your ass. Pretty much. I solved the mystery that was Justin. Hercule Perot style. Nice. You should have done the the voice that you do, the ah, but <laughs> perfect. That's it right there. There you go.
There you go. You 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 have. He was twirling his mustache for those not watching on YouTube. <laughs> and oh yeah, probably should let them know. But you solved the case. You solved the case. I do sometimes feel bad for the people that just listen because of some of the bullshit we do that is just visual. Yeah. Yeah. Especially my reaction sometimes to what you guys give us scores. Yeah, mostly that. <laughs> Especially last week. Oh, my God. You guys gave such a fucking high score. Oh. Lowest score I've ever given, and it's still too high. <laughs> <laughs> One of these days, you're going to find a movie that's going to dip you into the negatives for fucking once. One of these days, you're going to go full Sterling on a movie. I feel like at one point we were close to it. I might have done like a 0% on something, and I don't remember what it was. You get, I mean, you gave the nun to a five. I gave it a three. Thank you very much. Whatever. <laughs> don't don't two add two extra that. points to my score. That's all relatively the same to me. Anything in the positives is the same. Yeah. You Might as well have it, been a 90. giving it a three is the same as a hundred in my eyes. Oh boy. Well, we all like. When it ended, 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 I guess that's the, but that's somewhat not true because that means I sat there for that long <laughs> watching the rest of it. So I wasn't happy when it ended because I, that all the ending did was go, Hey, the two hours you just wasted is finally over, but you still wasted it. Damn. All right, I'm out.